Eternal ethics, reconciliation. Welcome to tonight's live show on Imam Hussein TV. Surah Hujarat, verse 10. The believers are but brothers, so make reconciliation between your brothers and fear Allah that you may receive mercy. What's going on today? Family quarrels, bickerings, community splits, sectarian wars, punch-ups in certain centres, political hardships, breakdowns. But reconciliation is not easy and takes great, great courage. It is vital that this attribute of ethics and reconciliation is administered and should prevail in this life and in this time as well. With me tonight, we have Dr. Sayyid Amar Naqshwani. Assalamu alaikum, Sayyid Amar. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Once again, a privilege to have you again on this live show. Thank you. Eternal ethics, reconciliation is the topic for tonight's show. Thank you. Um, I just read out one key verse, as it were, from Surah Hujurat, verse 10, mm. which emphasized the point of brothers making reconciliation, as it were. And also at the same time, I've raised points of family splits, quarrels, bickerings, fights, communities breaking down, sectarian warfare. What's going on? I mean, what, what, how is this reconciliation attribute even going to be prevailed, as it were? It's a wonderful topic, reconciliation. And to be a person known as a Muslim is one of the highest honors that you can receive within the religion of Islam. Somebody who is known as a person who tries to bring islah in the community, reconcile okay. a quarrel between two people or a quarrel between hundreds of thousands, if not millions. It's a huge blessing to have that gift. But we notice that many people don't have that gift and many people aren't interested in being someone who reconciles quarreling or differing mm. parties. Yeah, sure. So... There is no doubt that this area we have seen has produced some of the finest personalities in history who have tried their hardest to remove what is hatred and animosity that can exist between a group of people. But then there are others who fuel the fire. And there are others who ensure that reconciliation does not take place. And that there is anger that mm. remains in different families, in different communities, um, in different countries forever. As in some of these fires have been stoked for years. Sure. So it'll be interesting tonight for us to explore how hopefully we can develop this ethical attribute of being someone who aims to reconcile yeah. rather than cause differences. Sure. For the, for the benefit of uh, the viewers, Mama saying TV and the world at large, um, Say so now, let's start from your personal experiences, as it were, if I may. Are there people in your life um, that you wish you could reconcile with? Yes, for sure. For sure. There, there are people in my life who may have felt that I've wronged them, um, who I may have wronged myself, um, who maybe we left on not the best of terms, or our difference of opinion mm -hmm. led us to not speak to each other anymore. And you can't be so arrogant not to admit that you wish you could reconcile with people who you may have broken bonds with. Right. There may be people who you want to reconcile with because of something you did to them face to face. Well, there may be people you want to reconcile with having never met them, but having found out that you may have offended them in a certain way. Yeah. So ultimately for us, there is a need to admit that, yeah, there are people out there I wish I could reconcile with. I don't think I should sit here, Sayyid Ammar, and say that I've been somebody who has never wronged an individual or who has never oppressed mm. an individual. There are only 14 people on this earth Absolutely. who live like that. And there's no comparison to and those. Yeah, and then after that, all of us are fallible. have had moments where we've let ourselves down. For sure. And you beautifully quoted the ayah 
عند صورة الحجرات إنما المؤمنون إخوة Surely the believers are brethren of one another فأصلحوا بين أخويكم واتقوا الله لعلكم ترحمون Indeed the believers are brethren of one another We're brethren of one another There's a sisterhood, there's a brotherhood between us mm-hmm. And if there are these differences I certainly hope that before I go to my grave That I would have reconciled my differences with people who I may have wronged One thing I don't ever want to reach a stage of is saying that I've never wronged anyone No, if you've wronged somebody Then your aim should be in one way or the other To try and ask for their forgiveness Forgiveness To try and ensure that reconciliation takes place Sometimes you need help with reconciliation No doubt about that You need the other side to be willing to shake the hand. Yes, yes. You need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings for everything. Naturally. You may need certain friends to get involved. All of these are fundamental. Sure. But the religion of Islam valued reconciliation so much that there are certain acts of worship. Mm-hmm. Which were acts of worship which were not even as high as Absolutely. Now coming to that point, coming to that point of acts of worship, Islah. or reconciliation as it's translated in English. It's mentioned in the Quran and in Ahadith so frequently about reconciliation. And yet sometimes it's seen as being an act greater than Salah. What, what does that have to say about that? Yeah, it's phenomenal that one would think that there is no greater act in the religion of Islam than the act of Salah. salah. But there are numerous traditions where an act of reconciliation is placed higher than Salah. I see, I see. I remember Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib in his uh, final will before he died. And I think every single Muslim should read that will. That will, like all his words, have so much wisdom behind them. And there's one line in particular which I will never forget and that's when Imam Ali السلام, says Reconcile your differences mm-hmm. and strengthen your ties For your Prophet, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and his family said Reconciliation of differences is greater than fasting and prayer Whenever we want to value a Muslim in the world yeah. We ask, is he a namazi? Sure Does he pray? Does he pray? Does he fast? And so Does so he so fast? Yeah. yeah. These are all acts which are external. Hmm. Hmm. A Muslim is to be defined not by their acts of worship, even though they're important, but by their akhlaq. And of the most wonderful akhlaq is someone who's able to reconcile their differences with others. Right, right. Remove their differences with others. Try to come to common ground. Sometimes you can't come to a point of unity on opinion, but you can certainly come to a point of peaceful coexistence. I see. I see. There are certain values we may differ with each other. Yeah, sure. There are certain historical incidents we may differ with each other. But one thing we cannot deny is that we can peacefully coexist Mm -hmm. in agreeing to disagree. Okay. Therefore, Imam Ali in his final will, Reconcile your differences, strengthen your ties For the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family said Reconciliation of difference greater than fasting and prayer Right When a father asks for a reference for that prospective groom or son-in-law for his daughter Many will ask, does he pray, does he fast? Salah and Soma are fundamental But have you asked, is this person a muslah in the community or is he a mufsid? Right Is he someone who causes breakups or someone who brings people together? Is he someone who tries to unite or disunite? So therefore, the Holy Prophet peace be upon his family has another tradition uh-huh. where he mentions that not just salah, soul, mm-hmm. fasting, sadaqa, mm-hmm. reconciling differences is higher than all three. If you ask many Muslims, what's the three greatest acts you can have? They'll mention prayer five times a day, fasting, Once a year. In the holy month of Ramadan. And paying sadaqah. Mm-hmm. The holy prophet peace be upon his family mentions that. And it's always mentioned. Islah that al-bain. Okay. You know you, you mentioned the ayah. Uh, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ أَخْوَ فَأَصْلِحُ بَيْنَ أَخْوَيْكُمْ 
You have, for example, Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse number 1 of the Holy Qur'an, about the spoils of war. Mm-hmm. When the Qur'an mentions, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْأَنْفَالِ قُلِ الْأَنْفَالُ لِلَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ And then the Qur'an mentions something interesting. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَأَصْلِحُ ذَاتَ بَيْنِكُمْ the Qur'an mentions when talking about, they ask you concerning the spoils of war. Say they belong to Allah and His Prophet. So be conscious of the presence of Allah and reconcile amongst each other. Because even amongst the companions, when the spoils of war are being shared, mm-hmm. sometimes that odd bit of bickering takes place. Why is he got more than me? Sure. Why is he receiving more than me? Yes. That small amount of envy sometimes can grow. The yep. Quran straight away said, Allah." Notice taqwa. Okay. Consciousness of Allah's presence is always placed alongside reconciliation of differences. Why? Oh, I if see. I tell you to reconcile your difference with someone, you won't listen to me. When I say to you, do it for the pleasure of Allah, you'll do it. Yes, yes. If I say to you, bro, try and reconcile your differences with those people, you'll be like, no, why should I? Hmm. Yeah, but bro, come on. Let's try and bring the community together. No, I'm not interested. Yeah. Do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you'll find that there are many who are willing to reconcile when they hear God's name involved in the reconciliation. Therefore, when the Quran said, yes. In Surah Al-Anfal, Always taqwa is required for a person to reconcile. Because otherwise, if I'm not conscious of Allah's presence sure. on this earth, I'm not yes. going to be a forgiving individual. Absolutely. But I found that my Lord is ghafoor. Yes, yes. It's so if my Lord is ghafoor, why can I not forgive those who I have a difference with? At times, surely it's because people forget themselves. And yeah. the ego kicks in. And you need to be reminded, as you said. No doubt, no doubt. Look, our egos are all inflated. Yeah. And there isn't one of us out there who doesn't have that moment where we're like, no, I'm not going to reconcile. You can go and do sulh with any other member of the community. But that sulh is not happening between us. But that's the sign of whether you have akhlaq or not. Mm. Akhlaq is not just being kind to one's parents. Akhlaq is not just being forgiven. Akhlaq involves shooting down one's ego, building the khulq, mm. like you're building your khalq. Yes. Your khalq, you're looking after your body. You're looking after your looks. You're looking after your stature, physically. Akhlaq is for you to now shoot down the ego. Mm, kill it. And be willing to say that, you know what, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's try and reconcile. Okay, okay. So, with that in mind now, Sayyidina, <clears throat> let's read out another verse. Surah Hujurat, verse 9, the preceding verse to the introductory verse that I read out. Verse 9, and it reads as follows. And if two factions among the believers should fight, then make reconciliation between the two. But if one of them oppresses the other, then fight against the one that oppresses until it returns to the ordinance of Allah. And if it returns, then make reconciliation between them in justice and act justly. Indeed, Allah loves those who act justly. Now, with that in mind, I've read out just a translation of this Noble verse. Let's be real here. Okay. In layman's terms, more meaning of fighting. I've seen punch-ups going on. I've seen bickering, slander, cursing. What's, what, what's, what, what should we do? I mean, what should we do about this? How can we use this verse? I mean, for example... The Holy Quran also says Muslims may end up fighting, find a means of reconciling. Amir al-Mu'minin Ali ibn Talib al-Islam saw this at the Battle of Jamal, also known in English as the Camel. What ways did he seek to actually bring about reconciliation? Specifically with Talha, Zubair and Aisha and also in the War of Safin. And this is a huge area that we need to look at. وَإِنْ طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُ بَيْنَهُمَا When two groups of the believers are fighting each other, 
find a way of reconciling. From the day Islam was perfected, right, until today, uh -huh. we have had wars between groups of Muslims. Yes. And it beggars the question that a religion that claims to be God's religion, why is it the religion which is involved in the most wars? This is the biggest mystery, isn't it? After the Prophet, peace be upon him, his family died, you had civil war after civil war. The Battle of Jamal. Mm -hmm. Which is a tragic moment in the history of the religion of Islam. And some, sorry to um, cut you there, some Muslims are totally aloof from this war as well. I mean, they don't even yeah, know about sad. this. It's sad, you know, there are many Muslims who are not taught about these wars. Yeah. Because I also think that there was a theological current which emerged a few centuries after the Prophet, peace be upon him, his family died, where you weren't allowed to question any of the acts of the companions of the Prophet. And that it was, you know, an act which was looked down upon for you to even question their motives. Mm. If they lived with the Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, that means that after what they've done, Allah has forgiven everything. Yeah. But that doesn't hide the fact that we had the Battle of Jamal, which only resulted in 20,000 deaths. Only 20,000. Yes, not, not a lot. <clears throat> and the Battle of Safin, and the Battle of Nahrawan, and the Battle of Karbala, sure. and Zayd bin Ali against the Umayyads, Mukhtar al-Thaqafi yes. amongst the Umayyads, the Umayyads versus the Abbasids, the Abbasids amongst each other, brothers willing to kill each other, the Abbasids against the Talibids, the Abbasids against the Hassanids, then you've got the likes of the Seljuks and mm. the Fatimids and the Ottomans sure. and the Safawids. Yes. And it sounds like a rhyme which I'm describing. But the reality is that in 1000 years, we've had so much bloodshed. Blood. You ask whether this religion had more Mufsidun or it had more Muslihun. Yeah, sure. Did it have more people who caused Fasad in the Ummah or more people who were pushing for Islah mm. in the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? And it's an interesting question you ask because it doesn't seem to have stopped. No. Would you agree? No, exactly. A hundred percent agree. Has it stopped in London? No. Do you agree that even amongst our own sect, our own sect, do you agree there's still fights between it's, people? It's ridiculous. Because you've lived here for how long? Yeah. 46 years. And what I've have seen, you seen? I've seen quarreling, bickering, arguments, even about aid. Majalis, weddings, Aqida, occurrences, South London, East London, North London, West London. Was there ever a moment in the community where you were like... What's going on? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think there's a lot of youth in our own community at the moment. Committees arguing with each other. Yeah, committees, <laughs> not just arguing. Yeah. Arguing is basic. Yeah. When committees are throwing chairs at each sure. other. Sure. I heard a story, that only a couple of weeks ago I heard a story that there's a mosque in Northwest London. Two people in the community are fighting over who owns it. A mosque, Islamic Centre, Northwest London, two members of the community are fighting over who owns it. And willing to take each other to court. And willing to attack each other's motives. I've heard that there's schools in the communities where people are fighting over it. I've heard there's inheritance in the community people are fighting over. I've heard there are mosques that fight over which form of Azar you could do, which mm. form of azadari mm. you could do. And that's just within our own sect. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. But what you notice is that Imam Ali salam, when he faced this, and he faced people attacking him, insulting his character, he always looked for means of reconciliation. Let me give you an example. Zubair is Imam Ali's first cousin. <clears throat> Imam Ali salam, sent... Ibn Abbas, to have a word with Zubair. Okay. Just before the battle of the camel. And in short, inshallah. And just, just, just for the viewers, yeah. Ibn Abbas, you are referring to his, his uncle. Abbas's son. Yeah. yeah, yes. His uncle Abbas. Just for the son, viewers. Yeah, Abdullah. So when he sent him, he didn't say to him, tell him Amir al-Mu'mineen says, Tell him your Imam says. Tell him your Khalifa says. Imam Ali alayhi heart is so soft. 
that Imam Ali wanted to see, can we reconcile before this bloodshed occurs? So he just said, tell him Ibn Khalak, right. your cousin, uh -huh. your uncle's son says to you. Eloquent words. You deny, you knew me in the Hijaz and you deny me in Iraq. It's not just eloquent words. It's words where their aim is to reconcile. We've all been guilty of using wrong words, wrong time, wrong place. Yeah. Doesn't matter how eloquent you are. But Imam Ali السلام, before Jamal made a couple of things clear. In the aim that reconciliation comes above bloodshed and warfare. Firstly, Telling Abdullah bin Abbas, tell him not his Imam, Imam. not his Khalifa, Khalif. not his, Ibn Khalik. Your cousin says to you, you knew me in the Hijaz and you deny me in Iraq. Secondly, we do not shoot an arrow. The other side shoots, we defend ourselves, but we don't start the war. Right, right. Okay. Thirdly, a wife of the Prophet. Mm-hmm. Did not the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, want to build reconciliation in the Ummah, to strengthen our ties, to remove our differences? Have we really reached this level here where we're willing to shed blood amongst each other? So what Imam Ali could have done is he could have easily turned around and said, well, I'm Ali ibn Abi Talib, um, you know, I'm the bravest warrior in the history of the religion of Islam. I'm also the fourth Khalifa, therefore all of you are wrong. He tried every which way possible to try and strengthen ties. Right. Now, that ayah that you quoted, the second part says, but if there's a group that remains rebellious, you have to fight them. Yes. That's the yes. difference, Jamal and Safin. I see. Safin, Fi'abaghiyah. Mm -hmm. This group of rebellious individuals led by Muawiyah, these people were adamant, not just on shedding the blood of the Muslims. Not only had the Holy Prophet forecasted, that Ammar bin Yasser will be killed by this infidel rebellious group, but they were a group who did not seek any reconciliation whatsoever. That arbitration scam that happened in the middle of the battle was because they knew that they were moments away from being finished. But you find that Imam Ali السلام, even in that battle, when the water is with him, remember at the beginning the water was with Muawiyah, yeah. asks Muawiyah for the water for his soldiers wouldn't give him. When Imam Ali has the water, does he give? Of course. When Muawiyah has the water, this is in Nahj al you can read it. When Muawiyah has control of the water, he won't give to Imam Ali's soldiers. When Imam Ali has control of the water, he allows Muawiyah's soldiers to have some of the water. Therefore, these examples were to highlight to us. You want to follow the Ahlul Bayt? You claim to follow them? Then try and be someone who reconciles amongst the community. When we see in our communities, uh -huh. this mosque hates this mosque, this group hate that group. There has to be a group of people who come together to reconcile. Otherwise, we will be like who? We'll be like the wife of Abu Lahab. You know that mm. ayah. His wife is the one who's carrying the firewood. Fired. Sometimes fire is literal. Sometimes stoking a fire or the fire of hatred is metaphorical. Yes. When I say that that person is the one who's causing the fire of hatred between these two mosques. Therefore, the wife of Abu Lahab wasn't literally carrying firewood, as some will only say. That's one opinion. Another opinion is Hamalat al-Hatab means carrying the fire of hatred and spreading it amongst the people. Mm -hmm. We could become people like that. We have to beware. Sure. The highest yes. akhlaq is for one to distance themselves away from being like Um Jamil, the wife of Abu Lahab. When the Quran said, The Quran was saying, don't you also be someone who carries firewood burning communities. Mm -hmm. When you burn a community, you don't just burn a community literally by getting fire and burning the mosque. It's when you are leading one community and saying that that mosque over there is full of people who are deviants. Yeah, we don't yeah. follow their marja. We don't, because what is London now? What's London? London is a community based on mosques 
where people go to because of the marja they follow, yep. not the yep. Allah they follow. Absolutely, absolutely, agreed. But having said that, having said that, let's, Professor Amar, let's look at this from the layman's terms again. You've given wonderful examples. Amir al Mu'mineen Ali ibn Talib al-Islam and the Holy Ahlul Bayt al-Islam. What sort of grace they exercised, the emphasis at actually on providing you know, reconciliation to harmonize a community. Mm. Look, I'm not kidding here, okay? Yeah. Let's be real here. There's people out there who say, well, they're the Muslimin. What do you expect? What about our centers? And you've actually brought to light one or two points. Different maraja they're following, offices, centers, elements of aqidah and so on and so forth. I'm personally, I'm sick and tired of this. It's just, no, don't it's just gone nuts, as it you think you're sick and tired of it, try to see us guys who are the receiving end of the slanders. Yeah. Um, so just before we go for a short break, what, what else should we be doing, as it were? Um, there's too much jihad. There's, you know, there's a lot of jihad. It's obviously swallowing the pride yeah, look, 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 and the ego. Yeah, but what other steps should one take? You're absolutely right. And, and you know, on the first level... There's none of this thing of making 70 excuses for each other. Yeah. It's straight yeah, away attack. Yeah, yeah. It's straight away generalizing about a whole group of people. Look, none of us are masoon. Mm. We're all going to make mistakes. But don't fight each other and look to burn each other's mosques down. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I hear that there is five mosques in Wilsdon Green in London, and a few of them just can't stand each other. Yes. In Northwest London. When I hear that this group of youth will not hang out with this group of youth because you don't follow my marja. Yeah, yeah. Then this is a clear sign of ignorance, a clear sign that we're not a forgiving community. And... and disunited. Habibi, you don't have to be united on every area. No. Be united in your belief in Allah. I mean, I've, I've seen a mosque where there's Jummah Salah and there's not even a distance of three miles between them two. You be, know, it's, be there's united, lots. Be united yeah. on your belief in Allah, your belief in the Prophets and the Ahlul Bayt salam, and the Quran on the Day of Judgment. Be united on these, but peacefully coexist on other minor areas. Stop slandering one another. Absolutely. The UK has become a hotbed where you have our communities, whether it's in London, whether it's in the north, where mosques and maulanas cannot stand one another. Yeah. We'll continue this. We'll continue that. Uh, viewers, do join us again after the break. Um, and may I remind you all that uh, you can view Imam Hussain TV live with Dr. Sayyid Amar Nakshwani on Roku, R-O-K-U, Amazon Fire. We also have Imam Hussain TV downloadable now also on mobile apps, Google, Android, the App Store as well. And please do continue to support the channel Imam Hussain TV. You should see a banner or an advert in terms of Eid Gharir and sponsoring and charity donations requested as, as it were. So please do generously donate. Imam Hussain TV can only function with your hospitality, your viewings your donations and charity to have such distinguished speakers as um, Dr. Sayyid Amar Nakshwani. So with that in mind, do join me again in the next moment or two. Asalaamu Alaikum. and welcome back to the second part of our live show on Imam Hussein TV, Eternal Ethics, Reconciliation. Assalamu alaikum, Wa alaikum Sayyidina. Wa um, I don't mean to be rude, okay? But at the moment, from my observation, 
and many others. A number of Maulanas are not speaking to each other, not getting on with each other, and yet they continuously preach from the pulpits for us to reconcile. You're, I mean, let's not play games here, okay? I'm not bigging you up. You're a world-renowned figure, yet have you sought to reconcile differences with those who differ with you? Well, I don't want to uh, come down too harsh on Maulanas, otherwise I might get a few people make videos and translate them into different languages tomorrow. And I think I agree with you that there are Maulanas out there who don't speak to each other and who aren't willing to step down from their position to say, let's agree to disagree. Um, sometimes the disease of the Maulana can be envy. Mm -hmm. And like any profession, you can have good and bad. Right. But the reality is that when you are somebody who's seen as a Mawlan or you're seen as an Alim, then you should be somebody who's willing to say that for the sake of the community, let us get together and work with one another. Rather than stabbing behind the back Thanks. those who are in your field because you're envious of their name or their fame mm -hmm. or their crowds. Sometimes you'll have an Islamic history people who had great knowledge, but envy destroyed them. Yep. And I think that could be the same for the religious profession. Okay. Now you ask me personally, have I... Yeah, I, I've got... I'm sure there's a number of Maulanas out there who don't necessarily agree with everything I say. Okay. I've never said you should agree with everything I say. Um, it's a painting that I paint for one hour every night in Muharram or in Shahar Ramadan and I mm -hmm. hope that you appreciate some points of it and you may differ on some other points of the painting. I don't mind if someone has a difference of opinion with me. If you say, I, say, you know, I differed with you on this to uh, topic or on this point, I don't mind, it's okay. Shoot their progress. The hate, the hate is quite, you know, can be quite surprising because um, that really just, I think that, creeps more into psychotic jealousy than that does on difference of opinion. Um, and have I sought... Yeah, I remember there was one, one Maulana, me and him clearly had a difference of opinion. Okay. And, um, and he interestingly reached out to reconcile with me. Uh-huh. And so I agreed. And I remember I got... Um, a third Maulana to be a witness and hopefully a helper in our reconciliation. Right, so there was an intermediary as you were. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I told that third Maulana, if you don't mind, if you could sit amongst us too. We have a difference of opinion with each other on this issue. And it's escalated. I see. And it's sad when you were very close friends before this happened, mm. you know. Um, and so we sat down together. But the person, for some reason, organized the reconciliation meeting and then didn't want to reconcile. Right. Imam al-Sadiq says, the word mal'oon, twice, la'nat, twice. Right. On the one who, when his brother comes to reconcile, is not interested in the reconciliation. Powerful statement. And as you say, la'na, there are people out there, la'na on Yazid. Well, you may be a Yazid in your own life. So, Lana, for example, on Shimr bin Dil-Joshan, you may be somebody who's similar to him. Ahlul Bayt didn't just reserve Lana for Yazid and Shimr. No. Mal'oon is used twice by Imam al-Sadiq for those who, when their brother comes and says, let's reconcile, and they're like, nah, actually, I'm not going to reconcile. That's a shame. But for me, the big test was, are you willing to say, I'm going to reconcile even though you think you've been wronged? Mm. Because when Islam says one of the highest ethics is to be a reconciliatory person, it's a huge test. Where you feel that you've been wronged, but you're going to 
shake hands for the sake, sake of Allah, Allah. Taala, and that has to be the message that emerges from our program tonight. Yes, when yes, you reconcile, right. it's for Allah, yes, not for Tom, Dick, and Harry. No, no. Those people who are telling you that you know what, reconcile. You may not listen to them when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Fattakullah wa aslahu bainikum then that is meritorious when mm. you reconcile for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah, I've seen it in my own life and I agree with you. It's, it's a very difficult moment. So keep, continue on that question or theme. So you know, what happens again when one person tries to reconcile and the other person or the other side doesn't want to? So for example, a divorce case. There's a idda period and that may help as it were if there's any um, change of thought or return but what happens when the other side doesn't want to I mean you've mentioned Imam Ali salam says something beautiful okay and I think when it comes to a divorce case and reconciliation don't make promises when you're happy and don't make decisions when you're angry um there are a lot of people who, when it comes to reconciliation and divorce, they're still too angry to make a decision. I think that's why there should be a separation period just before the divorce takes place. Mm -hmm. Even if it's six months. Have a separation. See if there's still feelings. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say that you have to stay with someone for life. We know emotionally you may not get on. Vision-wise you may not get on. Physically you may not get on. But don't make a decision in anger. Make a decision rationally. I think, you know, it's beneficial that before people get divorced, that there is a couple of months, three months, six months, where they may separate completely from their homes to see if there's any, anything there. But when we said mal'oon is the one who doesn't reconcile, that doesn't apply for divorce. Divorce a person, Allah has allowed you. Yeah. That it's the, halam that, uh, the halal that may be frowned upon, but it's allowed. It's allowed, yes. I think the other one which is a problem is when somebody is working their hardest. Mm, for the sake to, of Allah. Yeah, to reconcile the two of you. And you finally manage to get the person to come. And then you turn your face and say, I'm not interested. That hurts. Sure. Um, that, you know, somebody who you've had a problem with has now put their hand out and you walk away. And that's the test of akhlaq. If you say you're a person of akhlaq, these are the moments you're tested. Okay, um, there's a famous narration from Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ali ibn Talib al-Islam, one of my favorite narrations, where loosely translated as follows. Be the master of your words, or the words will become the master of you. Right, now with that in mind, statements now. Say, no, I don't, I don't mean to be personal again, okay? You've given over a thousand lectures here, internationally, as far as Australia, maybe even further, I don't know, okay? Over a thousand lectures, mm. easily. And some may argue that a couple have been far from reconciliatory. Do you regret any statements or some statements that you may have made um, that could have led to perhaps more splits than a reconciliation? Yeah, there's definitely a couple of words I've used that I shouldn't have. Right. Which aren't the words for a vision of reconciliation. They were words that could have easily been inflammatory and in the eyes of some were. And I'm, you know, I, I've openly said that I've regretted the usage of certain words mm -hmm. which may have offended certain people or a group of people. Um, we do look back at some lectures that we've given. It's, easy, it's easier to pick with myself because you probably have like, you know, four-figure lectures out there, you know, available on YouTube. So you can, you're always going to be able to find a certain statement which you may differ with me yeah, about. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, there's definitely been words that have been used which I regretted. You know, um, I'm not going to deny that. Uh, and you mature and you evolve yes, yes. and you reflect upon yourself. Mm. I think traveling has a major bearing. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I, when I went to India and Pakistan, uh -huh. I always say that one of the greatest 
evolutions in my life and moments of growth was seeing the profound love for Ahlul Bayt that non-Shia have in India and in Pakistan. Mm, it was a lesson for me. I'm looking around and I'm seeing a person who may not be of the same madhab as myself but has the most unbelievable love for Imam al-Hussein or the descendants of Ahlul Bayt. These are all lessons for us. We grow. So there, I don't think there's anyone out there who can ever say that when they've sat on the pulpit or they've given lectures that they haven't regretted a line which they could have said in a better way. Yeah. I think Imran Khan uh, only a couple of days ago was speaking about what would happen if Iran and there was a war and so on. And I think he, he used words which weren't the words he was intending to use, but they, they came out in a certain way that could be seen as inflammatory. Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody out there, even, you know, you look at Nabi Musa alayhi salam yes, and he... He wants that support of Nabi Harun alongside him because Nabi Harun has got that eloquence that's there, that's needed alongside Nabi Musa's eloquence as well. So I, I can't deny that there have been certain statements which people may have viewed as being, you know, inflammatory or could have caused sectarianism. And a person puts their hand up and says that better words could have been used instead of those. So, <clears throat> Dr. Amar, say no. Have you ever been proud of an act of reconciliation in your own life? Yeah, I, th I think um, a father-son, when you can make them hug each other again, okay, I think that such acts really touched me in my life. I've been honored that God has blessed me, that people have, have asked me to help in reconciliation. But I do remember a father and a son who for six years weren't speaking to one another. Mm -hmm. Six years. Now, as I mentioned earlier, reconciliation between brethren is greater than fasting and prayers. Which fasting, which prayers? The mustahab ones, not the wajib ones, of course. Obligatory salah, obligatory fasts, these, nothing is higher. Mm -hmm. But when you have a mustahab salah, a mustahab fast, reconciliation is greater than those two. So, to be able to see a father and son who haven't spoken to each other for years, suddenly start talking to each other, I think that would be something and an achievement that I'm most proud of mm -hmm. um, in my own personal life. You know, people will come back to you always and thank you for the day that you took time out. And really is about taking time out, listening to people, reminding them that, look, we're not all, you know, we all want the libas yep. of taqwa. And part of libas al-muttaqeen is to be of those who ensure that islah that al-bayn takes place. We all want that clothing on us. But it takes time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it needs members of our community to come together. You know, I think we have a lot of great members of our community who can help certain uh, moments of reconciliation take place. You know, when there are mosques that don't talk to each other, try and get the elders to come and speak. Look, you're always going to find very egoistic people running some of these centers. Sure. You know, people who believe they are Fir'aun, but with a uh, cheesy Ahlul Bayt look on them. <laughs> now, what you find with that is that those people may, may take years to chisel. Yep. Um, and I think the Chinese have a proverb along the line, in the, in the battle between the wa water and, uh, <laughs> and stone, water will eventually win. win. It's going to take years to erode, but it will eventually get there. But your aim has to be that the ayah says, So therefore my intention is to try to bring this aslah. That aslah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help the rest with. Okay, very quickly say now, we have a question from uh, Canada. Salam. My name is Malihe. I am calling from Canada. I have a question about forgiveness. If I have been hurt badly, not physically, by someone who was very close to me, and that certain someone is now asking for forgiveness from me, say that I forgive this person, but I don't necessarily want them back in my life like they used to be, because I don't want to be hurt again. Is that the same as me holding a grudge? No, I don't think there's a problem with that. I think, as I said, mm -hmm. you forgive for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In two weeks, we have a show on forgiveness. Inshallah. As another of the wonderful ethical attributes in Islam, um, in our eternal ethics series. And, you know, you don't have to be lovey-dovey with the person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, you know what, I forgive you for the sake of Allah. Let and bygones be, be bygones. Mm. It's not that difficult to say sorry to each other. Yeah, sure. Uh, but when shaitan whispers to you all the reasons you shouldn't, apologize then it becomes quite a battlefield yeah okay so we've you've discussed some of your own personal experiences yeah and I've given you just a little taste of what I've witnessed as well yeah. from my experience of living here and other people as well sure now let's move now let's extend the theme as it were to the family okay 
When there's a split in the family, for example, cousins don't talk, what lessons from the holy imams can we learn to solve these? I don't think there's a prophet mentioned in the Holy Quran or even an Imam of Ahlul Bayt who didn't face a problem with a family member, mm. which is amazing. It, it is. It is. Every prophet <laughs> mentioned in the Quran, be it Adam with Qabil, Nuh with his son, Lot with his wife. You've got the case of Ibrahim with his two wives. You've got the case of Yaqub with his sons, Yusuf with his brothers. brothers. Yes, yes. You've got the case of you know Musa with his one could say adopted family members mm. and the Holy Prophet with Abu Lahab, yeah. Ibrahim with his uncle, <clears throat> the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, Imam Al-Hassan with his wife, yep. yes. Imam Al-Sadiq with his cousins from Imam Al-Hassan's grandchildren, um, Imam Al-Rida with Al-Ma'mun, every single Prophet and Imam of Ahlul Bayt was tested, tested with whether they could find means of reconciling differences with family members. They would try and visit them. They would try and soften their heart with them. They try and use the best of language to talk to them. They'd even try and help them out monetarily in the hope that, you know, I, I remember a story where a person tells Imam Sadiq, why are you helping that cousin monetarily when they, they attack you? Mm -hmm. Said because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to reconcile our differences with our family members, to strengthen our ties with our family members. And I think Imam Zain al-Abideen in Dua Makarim al-Akhlaq you know, Dua Makam al-Khalaq has these wonderful lines which spiritually are unique where, you know, the Imam wants us to reach a level where we even pray for difficult family members. He says in Dua Makam al-Khalaq, وَأَبْدِلْنِي مِنْ بُغْضَةِ أَهْلِ الشَّنْآنِ الْمَحَبَّةِ وَمِنْ عُقُوقِ ذَوَ الْأَرْحَامِ الْمَبَرَّةِ وَمِنْ خِذْلَانِ الْأَقْرَبِينَ النُّصْلَةِ Oh Allah changed the hatred of them into love. Change the difficulties into ease. ease. Those who let us down, make them nearer to us. Who prays for cousins or family members who are difficult? Nobody does. Yeah. If you have a family member who's difficult, for many of us, we'll have good akhlaq with those who are good with us. Makaram mm -hmm. al-akhlaq is to have the best akhlaq even with those who aren't the best with you. So the whole vision of sulh or an islah is to try your hardest to find means in which you can soften your hearts to get closer together for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But no doubt, look, we're all tested in one way or the other. Yeah. Some are tested with their wealth. Some are tested with their health. Some are tested, for example, with a family member. And if you're tested with that family member, Allah is trying to see, are you willing to shoot down that ego and try and reconcile just for the sake of my pleasure, and that's the beauty of Islamic ethics. That it's not just focused on you. There's a higher sacred vision where there's a constant connection with the world of the aql and the ruh. That world of the first creations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just want you to see yourself as a physical material Being. entity. Yes. He wants you to see yourself as having part of the divine spirit within you. Sure. You can reach higher realms than this. Others will not reconcile, but not you. Mm. You're a follower of Al Muhammad. You're always willing to find a way of reconciling. Now, I must add, reconciling does not mean that, okay, today we reconcile, tomorrow we're having a dinner at a restaurant together. No, 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 no. no. Shake hands so Shake that hands. our sons don't bicker, yeah, their yeah. grandsons don't bicker, because the domino effect of struggles and fights in the community can last forever. Sure. There are grandsons who don't talk to each other because of their grandparents' hatred for yeah. each other. Yeah, sad. Very sad. I've seen families who don't talk to each other. Why? Because they've carried a grudge with each other for years. Yeah. So when you reconcile, your aim is to try and reach a level where we build for the future prosperity of the community. Imam al-Sadiq I think, you know, with Mufaddal, the son of Umar, Mufaddal would say that I'd go to people's houses, I'd give them certain amounts of money and they'd ask from where is this? And he'd be like, it's from my master, Ja'far al-Sadiq, saying that if they've got a quarrel with each other, here's the payment. Now come back and become friends again. Yeah. So Ahlul Bayt tried to look for many different ways to ensure that these quarrels don't last generation after generation. 
You've mentioned very positive, passionate, productive, <clears throat> ideal, perfected words, ethics. Now, but let's be real. We're living in the real world here. Let's throw a bone in the meat. Okay? When there's a split in... When, when... I mean, sometimes splits are definitely caused by third parties or not. And... Yes. Some people, they actually presume or assume... It's the same thing, actually. That... They are the muslihun, when really, they're the mufsidun. Mm. If, you, if you can also just elaborate on those two words and then just, let, you know, let's make the dynamics real. You've said all I, good points, but let's, let's be real in this world, 2019. Yeah, you have to be careful, you have to be careful. Yeah. As I said, I mentioned Um Jamil, the wife of Abu Lahab earlier. Yeah. The hatab of causing gossip and suspicion, you've got to be careful who you're listening to. Why? The Ahlul Bayt always teach us. And this is a fundamental point about the number of fingers between truth and falsehood, mm -hmm. between the ear and the eyes. Aye. What you hear, make sure you verify with your eyes. Secondly, those who are slandering someone, be ready for them to slander you. Yeah. When you hear someone telling you, don't, 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 stay away from reconciliation, it's not good for you. That person is so-and-so, that person, likewise, they're going to do that about you one day. Don't think that everybody's a well-wisher out there. But thirdly, Imam Ali salam, he tells us something wonderful. If you are going to have a breakup, uh -huh. if you are, Leave some space for reconciliation. reconciliation. Beautiful. You know, don't break up in a way where it's like, I never, ever, ever want to see your face again in my life. I never, ever, ever want to talk to you ever again. Leave a small space. Salaamu Alaikum can remain. Small, small space. Mm. Not easy. Because the first thought is to say, let's end this forever. Yes. Me and you are never talking again. Try and leave a small gap. And there are many who humbled themselves because there was still something they had in common with each other to come together. Now, it can be even more sensitive when you are husband and wife, you have kids and you divorce. Yes. Try and leave a gap to say, look, we're not going to get too close to each other, but let the salam remain between us yeah. amicable. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But be careful. There are a lot who send these Chinese whispers. Mm hmm and they're telling you, look, everybody's against you, I'm the only one with you. The same way they're gossiping about others, they're probably gossiping about you as well. Sure. Okay. Um, I think just a little over 12 minutes remaining in the show. Um, the Holy Ahlul Bayt, the all sort methods, as it were, of reconciliation, Islah or Sol, starting with the Holy Prophet mm. as a supreme example. Could you... Please just give a few examples, perhaps. Well, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, at the height of his power in Medina, is able to completely annihilate the Quraysh and the Meccans. And he ends up having a sulh called Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. Okay. The Hudaybiyah peace treaty is a phenomenal moment because those who say Muhammad spread the religion by the sword, he could easily use the sword now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's what? It's a good 18 years into his um, prophethood. And he is extremely powerful. He can annihilate the Quraysh. But no, real power is when you have it but don't use it. You've got the ability to use it mm. but you hold back. That's real power. Absolutely. And he says, let's have a sulh. Your terms, not mine. How many of us would say your terms, not mine? It's got to be on my terms. And I'm the one who decides. And if it's not on my terms, don't... He tells Quraysh who have abused him, called him Sha'ar, called him Majnoon, called him Sahar, called him Kahin, called him Abtar. You think we see Islamophobia? Nobody saw Islamophobia like the man who bought this religion. Mm -hmm. 
But what's wonderful is his greatest victory. Was it Badr? No. Was it Uhud? No. Khandaq? No. Khaybar? What was his greatest victory? Hudaybiyah. He set a principle that we, the ones who are the treasures of Allah's knowledge on earth, will always look for a means to reconcile. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the Treaty of Hudaybiyah has not been used enough even in the Islamic political world. Yeah. There are too many people out there avoid conflict resolution and diplomatic endeavors to try and say, you know what, even though those people have wronged us for years and blasphemed us, our Prophet showed us that try and always show that reconciliation is greater than warfare. Right. Very quickly, he said, now we have a question here on WhatsApp. Um, how can someone close, such as your own brother, uh, how can you reconcile with that uh, blood brother, as it were, when you when they haven't spoken to each other for over ten years, and you've done your best to reconcile. So that's the um, first part. And the second point question, because we're really uh, short of time here, um, someone from your in-laws has said very nasty things, as it were, in anger, such as an accusation towards you or your parents who are not alive. How can you forgive that person? In terms of your brother, if you haven't spoken to each other for a long time. Try and get someone involved who's a good friend of both of you. Okay. You know, okay. someone who your brother respects, you respect, and hopefully come together. Okay. In terms of in-laws who may have made an accusation, pray for, uh, to Allah SWT that he forgives them and opens their heart. Okay, okay, shukran, thank you. Now, just going back now to, um, you mentioned uh, Hudaybiyah. Um, could Hudaybiyah, or the constitution of Medina, as it were, help ever split, uh, help heal the split in the Middle East? So, for example, Palestine. The Palestine crisis and the issue around that. <clears throat> I think that's so now we've moved yeah. from the micro right to the macro level now. Yeah, because you're going towards political mm. reconciliation. I certainly think the Hudaybiyah Peace Treaty, the constitutional Medina, the covenant made with the Christians by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, um, which Andrew uh, John Morrow has written um, a book on I think all of these documents can be used, hopefully, to bring reconciliation in the Middle East. No one likes to see children in Palestine, Jerusalem, Gaza. You look at that whole area, no one wants to see kids being tortured, oppressed. Families whose houses have been set on fire. Arrogance which can be expressed by all sides in different ways that we will never talk to each other, and we yeah. will never sit together. We must try and find a future of reconciliation, a future of peace. The Quraysh were so arrogant to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family. They were arrogant to him, they threw feces at him, they mocked him. But when the moment he had a chance to have a sulh, even though his companions could not believe his decision. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would mention, Inna We have given you a great victory. So I believe moments like Hudaybiyah, hopefully in the future, mm -hmm. an area like Palestine, religions like Islam and Judaism, which have more in common than they have differences, are not to be affected by the schemes of certain politicians the extremes of certain politicians, and rather come together in reconciliation, inshallah. Okay, so we're moving now into the last 10 minutes. But just before we do, I just wanted to ask you one further thing. Again, you've mentioned the perfect way or the method, tariqa, uh, whatever you want to call it, okay, in reaching that harmonization, as it were. But isn't it not necessary for, in this case, for, for example, Palestine, that Muslim countries should be speaking to other Muslim countries as well, and not just that, but also to non-Muslims to actually bring them in to align or harmonize that I, situation, or is that not possible? I, I just sometimes am saddened when those who claim they want to reconcile have other interests yeah. at heart. There are people who say we want to find peace in those areas, but they have economic interests at heart. There are some who want to claim that they want to find peace but are 
mobilizing and supporting extreme rhetoric and extreme thought in the area. But you do hope that we'll have a vision one day where Muslims and non-Muslims can peacefully coexist as people of the book, mm-hmm. as the Quran mentions, and not be affected by racism yeah. or extreme racist ideologies, the way that, for example, you saw in South Africa for years, sure. where people were treated badly because of their race, race, rather than looking for means of reconciliation. Right. Very quickly, um, Zena, um the second holy imam, Imam Hassan al-Mujtaba al-Islam, and Muawiyah, the famous Sulh al-Hassan, the peace treaty, as it were. Why did it actually take place? Why was there a notion of trying for reconciliation from the holy imam when that man blatantly cursed I think, the sulh, I think the sulh between Imam Hassan and Muawiyah exposes Muawiyah. Muawiyah agrees to certain terms that he blatantly breaks. The cursing of Imam Ali salam was well known to have continued in the Umayyad period. Um, this can be attested to by Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas and Muawiyah having a famous discussion about the, those who curse Ali, which can be found in Sunya and Shia literature killing of the Shia of Ali, which was a condition in the reconciliation, that if we're going to reconcile, you don't kill my father's followers. You don't change the sunnah of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So Imam al-Hasan salam wanted to see reconcile in an ummah that for five, six years in a row, Jamal, Safin, Nahrawan, three battles, and then a fourth one, there was a vision to see reconciliation. But sadly, Muawiyah destroyed that vision until he eventually told Yazid that you succeed me. Yeah, uh, final six minutes left, I think the producers are prompting me for. With all the elements and analysis that we've discussed today, um, so now we see a political splits in Saudi Arabia. Members of Al Rabbi killed. In Nigeria, Sheikh Zakzaki not receiving any medical care. Lebanese families being arrested, as it were, in Africa, as it were, uh, and detained with charges of sponsoring so-called terrorism. Yemen and Saudi uh, exchanges, Bahrain executing Ahmed Mulali and Ali Hakim. (laughs) I mean, is there any future for reconciliation and, and conflict resolution, or is this just truly a case of war everywhere and forever. It's just been ongoing. And we, we discussed that in our opening remarks of the show. This is, this is a, a real test in time, isn't it? Someone has, a, has to have a vision for where we're heading. Um, each of these cases breaks the heart. Yeah. Al-Rabi'a's sons being killed without anyone speaking for them. But I do believe in Hassan Safar's vision for dialogue in the future, as I believe in the dialogue of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, and all the Ahlul Bayt seeking yes, dialogue. Because it can't continue like this. There's, there's bloodshed everywhere. You look at the sad situation with Sheikh Zakzaki, yes. where an elderly man put aside the sectarian difference you may have with him or the religion he belongs to, someone who's elderly, deserves medical treatment, needs medical treatment. Let's try and come together as human beings to ensure that this elderly man does not go through what they're going through and hopefully build a Nigeria which is going to be a Nigeria where Muslims and Christians can hold hands as brethren Inshallah. rather than be in situations where there is animosity. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Bahrain, you look at Ahmed and Ali and you find that where are we heading there? Is it going to continue to be demonstrations and protests or is there going to be a period where we can all sit together and dialogue? Mm. Because I get many mixed messages from people in my position. I'm not talking about the people on the ground. People I see, in my position. I see. Some are revolt like Imam al-Hassan, uh, Imam al-Hussein. Make sure that you have a revolution. 
Others are saying have a sulh like Imam al-Hasan. Others don't say much on this issue because we don't necessarily know the history of the political system and the tribes and the way dialogue takes place in these countries. Mm -hmm. But somebody's got to ask what is the direction for the Shi'i school? Mm -hmm. It can be a multifaceted direction. Mm -hmm. You can have an Imam al-Sadiq you can have an Imam al-Radha and you can have an Imam al-Hussein. Three Imams, three different political situations. But I do believe we have to sit back and try and find means of diplomatic and conflict resolution where we're in positions to be able to sit with those who lead these countries. They will look at us demonstrating, they'll look at us speaking out, and it will have an effect. But I don't know how many strong politicians we can name, because sometimes even when you want to be involved in the political system, your own community will call you a coconut or mm -hmm. a sellout. Yeah. Yep. So <clears throat> for someone to try and provide me one vision of Shiism, pretty impossible. Ayatollah Sistani, may Allah bless him, Inshallah. in my opinion, has the wisest vision, the most blessed vision. He's the marja I personally do the taqlid of. And when he makes statements, you always see foresight in them. You see vision in them. And he examines and scrutinizes an issue fully without emotionally jumping into it, which is a lesson for all of us. Mm, mm. But well, he also so tells us, be ambassadors in your country of peace and dialogue. Sure. So these are things to ponder on. It's a very sensitive area. Yeah. But we conclude Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam. Yes. He, Imam al-Hussein tried his hardest you know, to reconcile the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. Um, he never once said, I'm going out for fame or warfare. Islah fi ummati jaddi. Amr bil ma'roof anha anil munkar. To enjoin the good and to forbid that which is evil. Okay, I think we've run out of time, viewers of Imam Hussein TV. Um, I'd like to personally wish yourselves and also Dr. Sayyid Aman Akshwani, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's show. Can we just add one more thing? Bismillah, next week, Bismillah. Dear viewers, next week we are joined by Father Christopher Clohesi. Inshallah. From, um, you know, from Rome. Okay. And we will be discussing patience in Islam, Islamic and Christian ethics. Okay. So Father Christopher Clohesi will be joining us. So it'll be a nice dialogue on what the Christianity and Islam. Mm -hmm. 7.30 next week. is it? 7.30 next week. What Christianity and Islam say about sabr, about Inshallah. patience. Inshallah. Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, Sayyidina. So from Dr. Sayyid Aman Akshwani and myself, Muhammad Ali. Inshallah, see you again next week. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.